What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It is the Sports Ethos Business Podcast. It is whatever the case may be. Screwed it up already. We're off to a good start. We got the whole crew, so that's a plus. Maybe these guys can carry me. Actually, I'm confident that they can. The Memphis Grizzlies season comes to an end after a loss. I don't even know what I've got up. I have the wrong game up. You guys are going to have to help me with the score because the score that I have up is from game five, not game six. six. One, one ten to 96 was the, was the final. <laughs> yeah, so the Grizzlies hung with the Warriors until the fourth quarter. You get to the fourth quarter and the wheels just fell off of it. The, the Grizzlies seven for 21 from the field in the fourth. Here's the the most alarming stat in this entire game to me. The Golden State Warriors had 11, 11 offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter alone. The Memphis Grizzlies had 10 for the entire game. They forced a ton of turnovers in this game. They didn't capitalize on them, and they gave up a crap ton of offensive rebounds. And I feel like a lot of it was just hustle. Kavon Looney flat out wanted it more than anybody on this Grizzlies team, or at least that's the way it appeared last night. Yeah, I mean, 70 rebounds um, in this game for the Golden State. Like, I don't even I don't even know the last time I've seen a team with 70 rebounds in a game. And you talk about the offensive rebounds, 11 in the fourth quarter, 25 overall. And, and like you said, I mean, it's been a problem all series, but I mean, last night it was just ridiculous. And a lot of it just came down to effort. Um, I, I think one reason why you see them be able to get a lot of offensive rebounds, I think one thing is they shoot a lot of threes, uh, obviously. And I think the defense gets so sucked in with trying to get out to those shooters that they, a lot of the guys aren't even in there away from the paint and in bad spots when, when they miss the shots. And I think that's one reason, but Again, man, it just comes down to effort. And Kevon Looney just seems like he wanted it more last night. Um, and when you're in a game like this, you can't give up that many offensive rebounds, especially when you're the number one rebound team in the league. Like, I mean, that's just no excuse. I know Steven Adams was was hobbled um, late in this game. Um, and I, not late in the game, got hurt early in the game. Was kind of came back in the game and after halftime. Was kind of surprised with the way he left in the second quarter. It didn't look like – he didn't seem like a guy that was going to be coming back in his game. but. I don't think he was right the entire second half. But, again, man, it's not like Golden State has all these big guys that are getting rebounds. I mean, a lot of this, Kayvon Looney and guys like Andrew Wiggins getting rebounds. You have size as well with Jared Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, other guys that can get rebounds. Man, it just came down to effort, and it just felt like they're especially late in the game, the Warriors wanted it more. Um, and the Grizzlies were tip for tap. I mean, Warriors would come with these runs. Clay Thompson was – on a heater pretty much all game, and the Grizzlies were able to, to continue to weather that storm, but it just damn broke loose there in, in the fourth quarter, man, and the step got going late, and once he gets cooking, man, it's just kind of hard to hard to stop, man, with a three-point barrage, and we talked about that. We You didn't want to see that at the beginning of the game, and it, it kind of came at the end, um, and just, just, a, just a tough way to, 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 to kind of end the game because it felt like it was a game that was going to go down to the wire. You look at that final score, 110-96, it doesn't feel like it was that bad because right before then, man, it was kind of – it just kind of happened quickly. Uh, next thing you know, Warriors up seven, were, were up eight, and then next thing you know, man, you end up losing by by 14 points. So, yeah, I mean, again, man, you can't give up 70 rebounds, 25 offensive rebounds. You're, you're not going to win many games, if all, if any, at that rate. Yeah, it was an absolutely dominant performance from the from the Warriors off the class. And, 
What I found most interesting about that is, you know, we mentioned Stephen Adams being hobbled, and so he wasn't able to to play to the best of his ability. But Kyle Anderson has been really huge, and I think he's been really helpful in being in position at least to get some of those rebounds and some of those hustle plays, some of those deflections and things like that that have been um, to the that have been a big part of the Grizzlies being able to stay competitive. And, and Kyle has really played really well, especially especially since Jai went out. I mean, he really. In, in some ways, sort of carried the team in the, in the game four. Uh, he was one of the best players on the floor for them, just consistently doing everything that he needed to do. Um, he couldn't hit the free throws, but other than that, he did everything that you wanted from him. And I was surprised to see that he only got 10 minutes in a game that you're struggling to, to get rebounds. He had the least amount of minutes. Yeah, the least amount of minutes, it looks like. And I, I just found that to be a strange coaching decision because when you're getting killed on the rebounds to that extent, you just think, you know, with the with the wingspan and the length of Kyle Anderson and with these being long rebounds, you just think that he, he'd be useful in those kind of situations. And it didn't seem like we really wanted to, to try him. And we kind of went away from what from what had worked before. I, I don't really know what they saw that they felt like it wouldn't work on the road. But but Kyle played well on the road in the, in the last game. So uh, it, it was sort of a head scratching decision to me. I think Kyle, I'm not saying he would have been able to make up 2026 20, rebounds worth the, the difference but I think he would have made maybe slow, slow some of the bleeding uh because the the Golden State Warriors have been out rebounding the Grizzlies this entire series and the Grizzlies have still been competitive and or winning games and so uh I think had you had that you could have at least kept it close because the Grizzlies did a great job of staying in it into the last you know few minutes it just sort of like like as I said it just sort of the wheels sort of fell off there but I wonder quite a bit could the presence of Kyle Anderson playing more consistent minutes made I think it could have made it made a difference with how badly they lost the rebounding battle yeah I mean you had to try something and he kept trotting Brandon Clark out there and this wasn't working for him last night Brandon Clark had been pretty bad in this series honestly he had one good game but outside of that he really struggled the, the last seven minutes of this game Desmond Bain made a nasty step back three to make it 89 to 90. And then the Warriors finished this game on a 20 to seven run. The Grizzlies just could not get anything going. And that is why the John Morant conversation that is not a conversation is this team better without John Morant. And this right here tells you absolutely not because they could not generate offense in the last seven minutes of this game. That's when it counts. That's when it matters. Closing time. They didn't have a closer out there. The Warriors did. And, and that's why this game went down the way that it did. They're, we had questionable calls throughout the series from the referees. They really, I felt like they let them play in this game. I, I didn't feel like there were any just like absolutely ridiculous calls in, in this one like we had saw earlier in the series. But that should have favored the Grizzlies. It just didn't. They, they, for whatever reason, couldn't get it done from about that. I think looks like Bain made that three at the 655 to go mark and just nothing but downhill from there. Man, it, it's head scratching. Brandon Clark's playing his game. He had a really good game, game five. But outside of that, man, he really struggled in the series and go figure you play really well going up against a Carl Anthony Towns and, and a really good defensive big and Jared Vanderbilt, and you're able to, to to play some of your best basketball of your career in that series, and then you come into this one with, I mean, Draymond Green is 
a, a good defender. I'm not going to deny that, but I don't, he's not the guy that he that he was. And, and Kevon Looney, and you're not able to to get off. I mean, that's kind of weird. Like I don't I don't know what it was with, with Brandon in this series because I thought, like you said, man, the Grizzlies' advantage was their inside guys, and Brandon just couldn't get it going. And I think that was a big part of the reason that they lost last night. I mean, they didn't really get anything off the bench at all. I mean, Brandon had eight. Melton had eight, but outside of that, I mean, Kyle didn't score. And why Kyle only played 10 minutes is just, I, I didn't even know it was that bad. I knew that he didn't play a lot, but I thought when I looked at basketball, I was like, man, he only played 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, he didn't even get a shot up. He, explain to me why, why Melton, Melton was three for six from the field, yeah. two for three from two three. Two or three from three. He had two Eight, rebounds and a steal. He, he, he was a, a negative three, the second best plus minus on the team in 11 minutes. And you have Clark out here going two for 10 and you're still running him out there. You know, Desmond Bain was gassed at the end of this game. He yeah, played, he played 44, 44 minutes. minutes, but you know, we, we talk about Brandon struggling. Tyus was bad last night as well. You know, yeah. he ate two for 12 from the field. He really, he had been aggressive when in game five, Tyus Jones came out and he had that. I'm the man attitude he was attacking. He was shooting the ball well. He was playing. Yeah, you you confidence. could you could just see it on his and face. And it's like he was timid in this game. It didn't look like Tyus at all out there. He didn't. You know, he had two turnovers, which is kind of uncharacteristic for Tyus. But even stepping into the shots, it didn't feel the same from him last night. Yeah, I mean, he he, he was doing he was doing other stuff. I mean, he had nine rebounds, eight assists, but the shot last night, man, he just didn't have it going. And you could tell he did. He didn't look as comfortable running the team as he did in game five. Game five, he was out there with an attitude like he was the star of the team. And you wanted that from him, and you need that from him with John Moran out. And last night, man, he just didn't have it. But I think if you kind of look at the minutes distribution, I, I think what, what it what it says is I think Taylor Jenkins went in this game and said, I'm going to live and die with my starters. Um, and no matter what, I think then that's what we saw. I mean, Ty's 36 minutes. Bain, 44. Uh, you had Dylan Brooks with 39, 38 for Jaron Jackson Jr. And, and 28, of course, a little bit less for Adams, but even that's a, a high number for, for sometimes what we've seen from him throughout the year. Um, I, I think that's kind of what you saw here, and I don't think that was the right right idea uh, because, again, you continue to play uh, BBC with 20 minutes, and I think he's a guy that's been big for this team overall in his playoffs. Hasn't been great in this series, but he had had a game there was really good before, and he's been kind of that that guy off the bench that uh, for for this team this 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 off season or not off season this playoff season. And I think he just again stuck with those six guys and said that I'm going to live and die with these guys no matter what happened. But I think he should have made adjustments, man. Melton with the way he was playing, man, he should have played 20 minutes uh, last night. Kyle, 10 minutes with the way that he's been playing. I mean, that didn't even get a shot up um, in, in this game. That how do you go from what he was doing before? I mean, I go back to to game four um, mm -hmm. in the game that Kyle had. I mean, just pretty much carrying his team. Uh, I mean, game four, and then to go back, to go into this game with 10 minutes, man, I didn't even get a shot up. Like, I don't – I didn't get that one at all. Um, and I didn't even realize, like I said, that it was as bad as it was. When I looked at the box score, I was like, man, how does he only play 10 minutes in this game? Because, And as Candace said earlier, I, I think you have to try something different because it obviously wasn't hey. working with what they're doing rebounding-wise. So why well. not drop out? Defensively, the offensive strategy for the Golden State Warriors was clear last night. They were getting Brandon Clark's man Brandon Clark to screen the wing, and Brandon Clark would switch, and they were cooking him barbecue yep. chicken all night long. 
And it doesn't take it doesn't take long to figure that out. Yeah. It, it, no, it, it just kept doing it. Kept doing it. Kept you doing it. No, like, you know, you know what is happening. Yeah. If we see it, these guys are professional coaches. You know, they see it. Why are you not making that adjustment? And, and that's you, you mentioned uh, Stephen Adams not being himself after he came back. I think it was Drew Hill. I, I may get that wrong, but somebody I saw a tweet said they saw Stephen Adams leaving the arena last night. It, it, was, it was a bike was, cold. Okay, he was limping. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't yeah. trying to give the wrong person credit. I couldn't. I was. I read so many stinking tweets today. I don't know who it was, but yeah, he he definitely. There were some rebounds that I feel like he could have grabbed late in the game, but he didn't have his legs under him enough to even, you know, even long rebounds. There was one long rebound that was in between him and Bain, and I don't remember who got it for the Warriors, but dude, I about threw my remote through the wall. I'm like. Oh, this is game six back against the wall. You you've got to get that rebound, but he just didn't have it in him. He just didn't. Yeah. I I think it just goes down to I, at the end of the day. I, I I'm just I find the the coaching sort of curious of the rotations. We some of the best the players that played the best, or they didn't really get opportunity to continue to to prove that they got the best. And even Desmond Bain, uh, he played 44 minutes, but played 44 minutes. He got 16 touches. I mean, I'm. Dylan got well. Dylan had twenty eight. That's in part. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> but 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 Dylan was the best <laughs> offensive player they had going for them. And so even even from that stand, you know, I know, I know they, they he played a lot of minutes. And late in the game, you're right, he was gassed. But but earlier, I thought there were long stretches of times where Desmond didn't touch the ball, and I just remember wondering, we're not we're not going to feed Desmond, who had been playing great, looked a lot better. I know he probably still is struggling with that back to some extent, but he looked a lot better in this game. He looked definitely more like himself and. I think we sort of went away from that. I think the Desmond Bain and, and the Anthony Melton minutes are, are are positive. And I don't think that we or that the team tried that enough. I don't think that it was I just don't think enough was done to to really give a chance to fight it. All year it's been about the depth. And so it makes no sense to me that when the entire season is on the line, that the, the strategy is the, the opposite. Like we're going to cut, we're going to go away from our depth when they've been preaching that all year, that, that to me is, is head scratching. And there's a lot of things we can get into about this game. Uh, but I think to me, that's the thing that stands out the most is that we sort of went away from the strategy that got you here when you needed the most, you didn't have job. And so if there is any game that you're going to need to rely on your depth as you had, it was this one. And after a competitive game four and a blowout in game five to for no, it's not like it wouldn't work it to, for no reason at all, decide, that, like you said, you're going to live and die by the starters. And I think you play your best guys. So I think in theory, to some extent, it works. But you also have to make adjustments, especially um, when some of your guys just don't have it. Like Brandon Clark had proven throughout the series. He had the one game. That was a home game. And Brandon Clark had not played. I mean, he, some of his worst games were on the road in this series. And it was pretty obvious that he wasn't going to pro- provide anything for you offensively and that he was going to get killed defensively. And Kyle, I think would have done the opposite. Kyle has an intelligent uh, defensive IQ. I think he would have been able to make the right play. His length sort of bothers the Warriors players a lot. Sometimes sometimes they get the shots off and they're going to make tough shots. It's fine. But I, I just think you need it. You, you want it to more defense too. And you just want it more rebounding. So I don't know, all around, I just found there's a lot of things, a little small things you can get into with this game and we might get into them later. But to me, when you look at the big picture, you lost this game going away from what you've been preaching the whole season. And I, I, I found that to be strange. 
They're sneaky quick too. And and that's the one thing if they were going to do the pick and roll and try and get the big to switch on the guard, why not play Kyle there? Play like he he could he could guard those guys because he has a leg better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is, you know, like he he has the the nickname slow-mo. But you look at how many games this year did he have four or five or six steals? There, there were a number of them because his hands are sneaky fast. Yeah. And that's, I, I think that that would have tore that pick and roll apart, man. You, you get him switched on, on Clay or Steph. And, you know, Steph's handles are much better than Clay's. But if you get him switched on one of those guys, especially Clay Thompson, I think that, you know, you would have seen Kyle Anderson pick their pocket a few times. Oh, definitely, Clay. There, there's no no doubt about it because I mean, even though he's was phenomenal last night, man, shooting the basketball, man, he's still movement wise and some of the things that he's not that guy that he was. I mean, he can he has I get on these heaters like he did last night and still shoot the basketball, man. Shooting doesn't necessarily go away, but like I, I think Kyle definitely, I mean, getting switched on to him would have done a much better job than what we saw Brandon Clark because I mean they was just eating him alive every time, and I'm like, man, when are you gonna make this? adjustment it just happened over and over and over it's like a like a like a, a bad dream like every time like here we go again man he's back switch he's on step he's on jordan Poole. i'm like man you something somebody has to do something about this and it just never came i mean he just kept running them out there and, and that's the thing about taylor jenkins like i don't want to jump on him man second place coach of the year voting but i mean he can be jekyll and hottish man there, there are times where he does great things like you make adjustments and we see okay that's the adjustment we want to see him make um, he's improved in that area. And then other times you see, just kind of see these head scratching things, like not challenging certain plays that are pretty obvious it should be challenged. You go back to that. I can't remember which game that was game four of uh, the, 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 the Wiggins charge on, on Kyle Anderson. Like, I don't like, how do you not challenge that? I mean, that's three points uh, that, that you're giving up. That's when you use that challenge. I mean, I know we talked about that. I understood the it then. It was early in the game. It was earlier in the game at that point. I understood that, but I, I, I was it, it was the third quarter. It yeah, it was, third third. it was still the third quarter, and it was a really close game. So I can understand the logic on waiting until you get later on in the fourth. But then when that came in the Desmond Bain, the Steph flop. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, they, they probably wouldn't have got the call, even if they challenged. But at that point, there's just no reason not to. I think they had two timeouts. I've had some people come at me on Twitter. It was like, well, what, what, if, what, if, what if he needs that timeout? It was like 20-some seconds left. You might. I think they had two timeouts. So it wasn't any yeah. excuse at that point not to – Challenge. You have nothing to lose, and the game was on the line because you get that that layup. You're up one. So I mean, I, I I don't know, man. I don't know why you don't don't challenge that situation in in that spot. But I don't know. Like like again, man. Like I said, he he's a young coach and he's learning uh, along with this team. But uh, again, man, rotation wise, I just wasn't happy with what we saw. And even if you go back to Game Four, kind of the same thing. Some things down the stretch mm-hmm. that you feel like were mistakes. Not not taking Dylan Brooks out. Not having Stephen Adams late in that game and. In hindsight, it's, it's just tough uh, that the NC is not playing Steve Davis in game three. Like, would have it made a difference? They beat him by so much, like 30-plus points, that might not have made a difference. But I still think you should have started Steve Adams in that game. It's just kind of revisiting his history. I mean, you could always do hindsight, hindsight is 2020. But those are just kind of some of the things we saw. And I think when it comes to rotations, there's still, I think, some question marks when it comes to Taylor. I think he can get better at I think we'd be remiss to talk much longer about this game without talking about Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Dylan Brooks, who had uh, 30 points. He was 11 for 28, uh, 7 15 from three, uh, one of one or two from the free throw line. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde. 
is the definition of Jack on Hyde with Dylan Brooks in this performance. A lot, a lot of Dylan Brooks. Dylan hadn't had any luck from three, and so it was good to see some some three balls go down. But when when given when Dylan gives, give, get Dylan also takes yeah. away. And the so, DB experience. You lost, you lost some plays, especially down in that fourth quarter that I think yeah. there was some really important um, swings and, and just turnovers that were – he only had one turnover, but the one turnover he did have was pretty costly. Um, and just, just some just some ill-advised, ill-advised decisions made by Dylan Brooks. And then and, and really, I think they were – some were ill-advised. They just kind of went in. Um, that's how that's yeah, you get with 100%. Dylan. That's what you that's what you get with Dylan. You get you get the good, the bad. It. But you know, I, I can't be too hard on on him in the sense of Jaron didn't have it going. Um, Jaron was you know five of nineteen, so he didn't have it going one and one and seven from three. Uh, Tyus was struggling, and so it was basically just Desmond and Dylan that were that were the offense for the most part. So you, you understand that to some extent, it didn't end up going down. It didn't end up working out in the end because. It's hard, especially when Dylan Brooks gets locked in like that. It can it can help you, but it can also it can also kill you when he gets locked in like that. And and it and it did and end up killing him to some extent. A lot of things played into it, but I, I think um, I think it just goes to show that you need job. You know, Dylan, Dylan can't be your close. He's not your closer. Even Desmond is not your closer. And you know, in those moments, who do you go to uh, when they try to make Jaron the closer? down the street from the three-point line. I don't think it was the right strategy to make him the closer, but when they tried to give, you know, Jaron the ball the last couple of minutes down in game four, you know, those shots didn't go down for Jaron. So at this point, he hasn't proven he could be your closer. And I think ultimately that's what got you more than anything else. But I, I know that the, the that Dylan is a polarizing player, so I didn't want to continue the conversation about this game without talking about Dylan because he was a big part of it, the good and the bad. We got uh, both versions of Dylan Brooks in one game that, that, that like, that's exactly what happened last night. Yeah, you, had to, had to play you, you got that, uh, like the, the first quarter Dylan Brooks came out, he knocked down. Um, I, I just moved away from it. I think he was like four for nine from the field four with 12 nine. points. Yes, four for in yeah. the first. Three for three of six from three. And he, those shots falling for him early were bad news for the Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah. I said, because what you know, <laughs> like that spurt that you want from Dylan Brooks, you want that late in the game because when he gets hot late in the game like that, he can go on a heater and he can carry you to a victory. But when he gets hot early in a game, that leads to him making bad choices. And he did. He took and and I thought that we were gonna see an adjustment from Jenkins because he came down and he took back to back awful shots, yep. bad shots, and Jenkins pulled him. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's making the adjustment. He's pulling him to the bench. He's like, listen, man, if they're leaving you open from three, because in that first quarter, the majority of those shots were wide open shots. They were not bad looks. And I'm like, if they're going to play that far off of him, I want him to take those shots. But then he got a few of them to fall. And then it was like, mm, okay, I'm going to put my blinders on here and it's just going to be Dylan out there. And, and it's unfortunate because – of what he brings on the defensive end of the floor, if you can ever coach this out of Dylan to where when he starts knocking down shots that he just goes into full, you know, I don't, I don't care about anybody else mode. If you can ever coach that out of him, he would be 
a massive, massive part of a championship team because of how good he is on the defensive end of the floor. But it, it was last night. This wasn't it. You know, he, I, what he finished with, let me flip back over here to the right, you know, th- 30 points, four rebounds, one assist, but he scored 30 points on 28 shots. That's not where it's at. You're not going to win going 11 for 28 from the field. And especially not with a poor shot selection. Yeah, man. The Dylan, <clears throat> excuse me, the Dylan Brooks experience is like I don't even even know what to say because again, man, in the past I've been a defender of his, and, and there are times where, like you said, I mean, he mean we know that it, how much he means to his team in his locker room emotionally uh, for these guys. So it's kind of hard to to just dismiss him. But then you see him taking bad shots and having bad turnovers down the stretch, and he's cost games because I, I really think there was a stretch in this game. That's really what got that Golden State Warriors run started there late in the game. I think he yep. took two bad shots. I know it was at least one bad three. And I think that turnover was somewhere around during around that same time. And it, it just was, cost you a yeah. game. He it, it's it just off his foot in the fourth. Yeah. 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 yeah Driven off his foot. It, it's just and but <laughs> you know you need his defense. And when you talk about moving him, uh and, and also Melton is the other guy that you kind of think that's possibly on a radar, you move both of those guys out, and those are both of your two top per- perimeter defenders. And you think, like, what are you bringing back to kind of replace those guys? Because if you lose those guys, then you're relying on, on Zaire's development to kind of turn it into that guy. But that's a lot of defense that you're losing. So it's just a, a tough situation because you know how important he is on the defensive end, and he has games for you, like David said, where he does that late in games, he can win a game for you. We've seen that time and time again. But I knew when he, those shots started going down in, in, in the first quarter. I was like, man, this is – he's never going to stop shooting it down, man. He has that internal green light on, man. He's going to be fired up all game, and that's what he did, man. 11 of 28, like you said, you end up with 30 points, but not efficient at all on 28 shots. And usually when, if you have a guy doing that, man, they, they can lose a game for you. And I think that's kind of what we saw last night. Obviously not all his fault, but, again, I, I think some of, the, some of the things that he did in that game definitely didn't help, um, especially kind of open the – the gates for that Golden State run. And, and I don't know, man, in, in the post-game press conference, he was talking like he expects to be here. He's like, man, yeah. I can't wait to, to get locked in with my dogs. Yeah. Uh, we, he was talking to weed, and we, we're going to do all this this summer. We're going to get better. We're going to be back every year. Golden State knows that. So th- that's going to be an interesting situation. Um, I think a lot of this is going to come down to to Ja, and, and we know Ja loves all these guys. So if it was up to Ja, they probably would ever move anybody. But, <clears throat> again, uh, team at times, man. Teams are going to change, man. You have to make make changes, and and Zach Lyman in this front office has some decisions to make this offseason. I just think when you look at it and project it out, it, as far as him getting extended and, and what they have coming up on the books, I just I just don't see how it works. And I think if you're going to do that, if, if you're going to move him, I, I think I don't think you need to wait until the trade deadline next season, man. Rip the bandaid off so the team will know. That they're not going to have him going to the season, so they'll know what they're what they're dealing with. I just think emotionally, emotionally, and how much he means his locker room also is another reason. Like moving him in midseason, I think might cause some some issues. I, I think a lot of the players might not be happy with that. If you do it during the summer, that gives you kind of a time to get adjusted to it, and you already know that it's it's happening. He's not going to be here midseason. That's kind of different when he's been there almost all year. So yeah. that, that's going to be be something interesting to, to watch play out, man. But I I got a feeling that. And again, man, every time I say this, people are like, oh, you just hate Dylan. You want to move. I, I have a feeling he's going to be moved this summer. Um, I'll be watching 
Dylan and, and, and those two draft picks. I think when they didn't get that Lakers pick, I think that kind of changed some things. And I think if they're going to make a move, they're going to have to be aggressive and not having that pick. Those two late firsts don't have the value that that lottery pick has. So they're going to have to add players to it. And when you look at this roster and contract-wise and situational, when you have Zaire Williams on a rookie deal, that's just kind of, I think, the guy that, that moves up to the top of the list when you think about making a move like that. Yeah. Just a, and just a couple more thoughts. I I think one thing I saw a lot of people on Twitter going, you know, oh, well, do, do, you, do you want Dylan taking those shots now? And, 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 my, and my response was, was no. No. <laughs> my preference is that Tyus run the ball up and get Dylan the best look. Because that's what happened in the first quarter. Tyus had the ball, and he determined that Dylan was the most open because he was. And then he distributed the ball to Dylan. And he's a great catch-and-shoot guy. So that's some of his bread and butter anyway. So I prefer Tyus to decide when Dylan or, or Ja, when, when he's playing, to take those shots instead of Dylan but what happened was that for whatever reason Dylan was the one who who got the ball when they when they come in the side out play and he just take it up and he do whatever he wanted with it I think there was too much of that um it sort of goes back to coaching but I think you you put I mean you have a point and there were some non-point guard minutes but but Desmond I mean Dylan isn't really the guy that they sort of have pinned it on for facilitating for a reason and they've got Desmond Bain working on it um even Zaire seemed to be bring the ball up a little bit, get, getting some facilitating in um, in spurts here and there. But I, I think best the best thing, if you can't coach that mindset out of Dylan, the best thing is to have a, a point guard delegate when Dylan takes those shots. And that just didn't happen tonight um, for a, a lot of reasons. But if nothing else, um, for those who – I know they're Dylan's polarizing. For There's some who love Dylan, don't want to see him going, and there are some who can't – who really hope that Dylan's out the door. Um, and if, if, if Isaac's right and he does go out the door, I, I suspect that he might be out this summer as well. So I'll, I'll put that out there. I'm not going to leave Isaac by himself. I, I also think he'll be gone um, in the summer. Dylan putting up 30 points um, sort of helps after he struggled pretty much all the playoff series. Uh, it, I mean, he was, he showed he was able to sort of, to some extent, put a team on his back. It looks different. But uh, I, I think that does help um, his value. And just, just in terms of showing that he can, you know, put up 30 points for you on a team and be a valuable asset on offense and defense, which he definitely was for that. Um, and, and we'll just see what happens with it. I, I don't know. I'm not predicting this. Well, I'm, I'm more predicting. I'm not hoping that that's the case. I think Dylan brings a lot of important things that this team will miss if he does move. But just contractually, when you look at the future, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he, if he moved it either. But yeah, I'm I'm indifferent on it, man. That that I have Dylan is probably one of my favorite Grizzlies players. Um, you know, just on, on like personally, but I I trust this front office, and I know that kind of sounds like a, a generic answer, but I I didn't know what to expect heading into the season. My prediction was for this team to be around the 500 mark. And they went way past that. The JV trade, I was kind of head scratching, wondering, you know, what was going on. And then they take Zaire with the with the the pick. And I'm like, why did they trade up? They could have got this kid at 17 and they could have kept JV. What's going on? And then I see how well Steven Adams worked with this team and what he unlocked for these guys, the level that we saw from Ja the chemistry that we saw between Steven Adams and Desmond Bain. 
And these guys that are, you know, the climbing and company that's running this front office, they're, they're putting the time in and they know what's going on. They know what they're doing. And regardless of who they move or don't move this summer, I trust whatever they're going to do. And that's, that's a good spot to be in because there's plenty of fan bases that don't, you know, like we could, we're extremely fortunate as Grizzlies fans to be in this situation where we can trust the front office. We could be in a situation like the Lakers where, you know, does Polinka know anything at all about basketball? He doesn't know anything about roster composition. You can see that from what the team done this year. So what's going to happen with them there? The Lakers are supposed to be a contender because they have LeBron James on the roster. They were not this year. And barring some sort of miracle work this offseason, they're probably not going to be next year either. So being the second youngest team in the league, having the pieces that they have, I'm fully expecting that probably more than one of the guys that I really like on this team are not going to be back on this team next season, and it's going to look different. Well, someone asked the question on Twitter, was this season a disappointment? And there are a lot of people that feel like this season was a disappointment. Uh, and and then I, and I try to tell those people, you look, this is the second youngest team in the league, and I think a lot of people have kind of lost sight of the, the, the ultimate goal um, and realized what's really happening. That I think this team overachieving, it's, it's been to the detriment, I guess, if you, you talk about some fans, it's been to their detriment because I think they're feeling like now, since the team was had the second-best record in the West, second seed, that they were supposed to win a championship this year or at least get to the Western Conference Finals or it was some kind of disappointment. And, again, man, this is the second youngest team in the league. These guys are young. Taylor Jenkins is young. This is just the beginning of this. I know you, you wanted to win that series, but in reality, being the Grizzlies were the underdog, even though I think they're the better team. I think that all the things that we've laid out, the, the injuries and things that the Grizzlies were going through in the series, I know it's woulda, coulda, shoulda, and Warriors fans will say it's excuses. It's not excuses. It's just true. Like, I mean, the Warriors won a series, and congratulations to them. They're moving on. But I think all things square, both of these teams healthy, and you just played straight up the entire series. I think the Grizzlies win this series in, in, in five or six games. I really do believe that. But, I mean, there's going to be – a lot more, lot more years. There's still more development, man. You forget how young these guys are, and it, it was just pain me to see people saying that this was a disappointment because I, I don't think I don't look at it that way at all. Um, I mean, again, I think this team definitely had to have the talent to to get past this series, make it to the World Western Conference Finals, and maybe even win a championship. But again, I think this is only the beginning of this. I mean, they're going to continue to develop. These guys are going to get better and better. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think showed some strides. I think. Coming out of this playoff series, I think one thing that he did so uh, is that at times that he could be that that guy that you want him to be. Now the consistency is what the the the, the more the maturation process for him needs to be consistency. But I think he proved that he could be that that second second level guy that you need in, in a playoff series a, a, along with Ja Morant. And I, I think Ja and, and Jared need to lock themselves in a gym and throw away the key this summer and just put in that work, man. Because this I, I just see so many opportunities with their game with pick and roll, pick and pop and things that they could do with it that they're not utilized enough. And it's kind of weird because these guys, you know, the chemistry that they have off the court. I mean, they're like best friends, super tight. 
in on the court. It just they just haven't seemed to always click the way that you feel like they would, especially with the type of games they play. So that's a, a maturation process that I want to see going into next year. But to me, this wasn't a, a, a disappointment at all. Like I didn't, I'm not looking back on this and says, man, I, I hate. Like I said, you want them to win the series, but I don't feel like it's a disappointment because I feel like these guys, you have to step back and realize how young these guys are, how young Taylor Jenkins is as a coach into his career and realize this is the process. And these these guys are only going to get continue to get better, man. That time is going to come. And I still believe that we're going to have a parade on Bill Street sooner rather than later. I mean, I think the foundation is there, man. You just got to find what guys are going to be here long-term, add pieces around that. And, and, and go out and win a championship. And I really think they're going to do that. I think they have the front office and staff in, in place with Zach Lyman, executive of the year, uh, by the way, shout out to him. Uh, and they're going to make the right moves. I, I fully trust this front office. And that's something that we've never seen with this team. Uh, the previous regime with Chris Wallace, you were more surprised when something worked out than when it did. And, and that's not where you want to be uh, with your front office. So, Yeah, I think – if, if the season was a disappointment to you, I'd be inclined to think that you at some point moved the goalpost mentally for this team. And I understand why some people move the goalpost just based on their play and sort of how dominant they looked at times. But if you, if, if you looked at the expectations at the beginning of the season for even the most optimistic fan, the best case scenario was for us for to, to win you know, maybe the sixth seed, maybe fifth, fifth, maybe I sort of was hoping we could crawl in the fifth. That'd be great uh, to avoid the play-in and ultimately to win a playoff series. They they won a playoff series, and, you know, they were very competitive in the second one. And, and for good stretches of time, looked like the better team, and it had a, a really good chance to have injuries not hit to go into the uh, Western Conference Finals, which was sort of the best-case scenario for a lot of things. I mean, even, even as the goalpost was moved throughout the year, the goalpost was moved to an appearance at the Western Conference Finals. And some people were, you know, even having that going championship. And I understand that. But but I think it's a matter of taking a step back and going to the original goal, like Isaac said, and and, and understanding that if, if, there are, if you are disappointed in the season as a whole, not disappointed in the fact that they couldn't advance. And I think that's di- a different distinction. You can be disappointed in the fact that they didn't advance and also not be disappointed in the entire season. And if you – still feel like you're disappointed in the entire season, just take us, my advice would take a step back and keep in mind that, that maybe, you know, unconsciously the goalpost sort of shifted as the year went throughout. And that's, like I said, it's completely natural, but it's hard to look back at the beginning of the year, the preseason expectations. If this with as many franchise records that are broke that were broken last time I checked, it was at least 13 that were broke. I think that was just at the end of the season. I, I know Desmond Bain ended up having, I'm not mistaken, some, some high and for, for, for three pointers and over the playoffs. So, so anyway, they still did some, some incredible things uh, historically, even, you know, in the playoffs, but there was a, there were 13 franchise records broken on this year. And that's hard to look at that and get a playoff series win and say, based on preseason expectations, that that's a disappointment. Zach Kleiman in the preseason uh, presser said, I don't remember if you used the word growth. I, I think I'm going to go with growth. I'm not, and Isaac, you can correct me if I'm wrong there. But he said it, it's not linear, meaning right. that yeah, like, yeah. You, you don't all, it's not always like when you start to improve, you're not always going to go up. There's going to be, yeah, he said, he said the road, he said the road to, to a rebuild, road of a rebuild is not, 
not always linear. As yeah. as, but you, you had it. Yeah, you got yeah. it. So, so <laughs> I, I, was, I was in the, in the right ballpark. But I, I want to go to the Milwaukee Bucks, which are a small market team that managed to win a championship. You go back to 2013, they were 38 and 44. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. 2014, they kind of make a change, and it's more Chris Middleton and Giannis to see what these guys are going to be able to do. Obviously, there were players around them, but they, they have a massive drop-off. They go to 15 and 67. And then the following year, 2015, they're at 500. They lose in the first round. They barely miss the playoffs in 16, and then they go on a run from 17 up until when they win, won the title. They're in the playoffs every year. They lose in the first round in 17. They lose in the first round in 18. 2019, they had a 60-22 and 22 record, the best record in basketball, if I'm not mistaken, that season. And they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost in the Eastern Conference Semifinals in 2020. 2021 is a three seed. They go in and they end up winning the finals. They were learning what they needed to get them over that hump. You put a team together with the expectations to win a championship. You don't know for sure if that's going to happen until you get into the playoffs, until you see what this team is made of. And the Bucks were putting these teams in the playoffs, and they kept coming up short. So what they do, they're looking, they're seeing what this team is made of, what they need to do, what Giannis is developing into, and they go out and they trade for a guy named Drew Holiday because that's what they needed. They needed a third guy that can orchestrate the offense, that can create his own shot, and it was a good defender. So they go out, they get the perfect fit, Drew Holiday, and it ends up winning them a title. And that is the goal for the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm not disappointed in this season at all. If they had lost to the Timberwolves in the first round, I would have been mad as hell. I would have been pissed because all this fraud talk and all the bull crap that we would have had to listen to as Grizzlies fans, but it still would have been a disappointing season because this team exceeded expectations. Nobody, nobody had this team finishing as the number two seed in the Western conference. They were able to do that. It didn't work out for them in the playoffs, but second youngest team in the league, the, the, the youngest team in the league right now, would didn't even sniff playoffs. They're in the top of the lottery. So you got to be happy with where this team is. You don't have to. You can choose to to do whatever you want to do. But we have plenty of reasons to be happy about this team and where they are currently. Yeah, I mean, there were people just killing the players, killing Jaron, saying they didn't that he didn't show up. And I'm like, man, you, you just have to stick, take a step back and look at the expectations for the season and remember how young these guys are and that they're not finished project products i know with the success that they had this this year it feels like you want to feel like they're finished products and this is it but it's just not reality and i don't think zach climbing everything they've said and done show you that they they still feel like this is a rebuild they're not done with the quote-unquote rebuild they just happen to be fantastic at their job and it's worked out so well that they finished second in, in the west and second uh overall in the league but Again, man, it's not a disappointment at all. I think coming into the season, I think even I was on the more optimistic side. I think I said, what, 45 wins maybe? Uh, I think David might have said 40, 40, 40 or 41, yeah, 42, yeah. something like that. Oh, yeah, Four, 41, because I said 500, and I, 41. And, and saying 45, that would have been like class full, not even half full. Um, there, there weren't too many people predicting. I think they're over under number in Vegas, like 38 or something. 
Uh, so, I mean, this is gravy. Uh, what 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 they what they did this season, and then I think they only gonna, they're only going to build on it going forward. And, and one thing that you kind of look at is they're kind of when, when Zach Lyman said the road of a rebuild is not linear for them. It's actually been exactly linear to to this point. I mean, you go back to the bubble, they're in the play in, don't make the play in that year. They come in the next year, they go to the play in and went out of the play in and lose in the first round. And this year they lose it to the second round. So you keep on that trajectory. Next year, you're looking Western Conference Finals. And, I mean, that's kind of how you build. You talk about Milwaukee, and that's what you see. I mean, you have to learn what it takes. And sometimes it takes your lumps. Sometimes, man, you get to a point where you don't have to take any lumps. It looked like for a while the Grizzlies were going to blow past that. It's kind of the same way this, this quote-unquote rebuild is going. They're going to blow past that and be at least in the Western Conference Finals this year. And I really do believe that would have happened if, Again, it wasn't for some of the injuries and stuff that happened in the series. I think they would have been in the Western Conference Finals. So that gives me a lot of hope uh, for, for what's coming forward uh, for this team. And that's why I'm just not disappointed because you can – anybody who's looking at this knows that this arrow is pointing up for this team. And, again, these guys are just going to get better and better, man, to continue to develop. And, again, I, I trust Zach Lyman in his front office to add the requisite pieces around these guys to – put this thing over the top. I think, man, they're super close already. Um, it, it's not going to take much. Uh, I know the West is going to get tougher, but I, I believe in these guys. They're young. They're hungry. Um, and, and one of the youngest teams in the league, I think they're, gonna, they're built for sustained success, and I think they're going to be around winning a lot of basketball games for a long time. I think this is just the beginning. It, it, it hurts to kind of lose this series, especially when you feel like you you could have won it. But again, man, as all the guys said in the post-game press conference last night, Dylan said it, Jaron said it, uh, they're going to be back. Like you said, you watch Jaron say he watched Golden State winning uh, growing up, and, and everybody knows what, what they're about. They've won championships. But he said, I'm here, we're here, and we're going to be here for a long time, man. And what he said, that's exactly right. I mean, this Grizzlies team is not going anywhere. What's up, guys? It's David. Before we go any further, I've got to take a couple moments here to tell you about our new partner at Ethos Grizzlies, Ember and Valor. Ember and Valor specializes in beard care products. Let them take your beard to the next level with their easy two-step process. You get started with the beard oil to condition your skin and prevent the dreaded beard itch. You finish it off with Ember and Valor's Beard Balm to condition and shape your beard. Go over to emberandvalor.com right now and use promo code ethosgrizz for 25% off. Let them get you the beard you've always wanted. Emberandvalor.com, E-M-B-E-R-A-N-D-V-A-L-O-R.com. Promo code Ethos Grizzlies for 25% off. I've got to run it by you one more time. I can't allow you to miss it. 25% off at Emberandvalor.com right now using our promo code Ethos Grizz. That's E-T-H-O-S-G-R-I-Z-Z at Emberandvalor.com for 25% off of all of their products. Ember and Valor makes all of their products using all natural ingredients. Get over there, check them out, use the promo code, let them know we sent you. You will not be disappointed. Emberandvalor.com. Look good, feel good. Jaron Jackson is 22 years old, man. I mean, that's and, people forget and, that. I think people forget that, man. Th there are a handful of guys that came into the league, and by the time that they were that age, you know, like Kevin Garnett was a guy. He hit the league, came straight out of high school, and he kind of hit the ground running. It happens periodically. You know, guys do that. 
But but you look at some of the other, you know, better players. Giannis, his age 22 season was his first all-star appearance. Carl Malone, age 24 series. Charles Barkley, age 23 season. That These guys, sometimes you have to go through a developmental stage before you hit – where you need to be in order to play at that all-star level. Jaron, I don't think is there yet. I mean, obviously he's not, but I, I still believe that he can get there. We saw massive, massive growth from him this year. And the fact that people are constantly crapping on him. I, I told you, you guys off air about the guys that were at, at the playoff game and they were bad mouthing Jaron the entire time, the whole time, seven foot or need to get inside. Like, Come on, dude. This is not 1970s NBA. Just because he's seven foot tall doesn't mean that he has to play in the paint all the time. And we saw Jaron in this series. They didn't have anybody that could stop him. So you saw him attacking downhill. You saw him playing with some post moves and getting to the bucket and, and scoring at the bucket. And then you saw him in that game five or yeah, game five, knocking down the three. So you see what he can bring to the table but yet people are still, yeah, he only had four rebounds, and that's not good, especially when you get absolutely freaking destroyed on the boards. It makes it look even worse. But rebounding has never been a strong suit for him. And, b- like, before this game, I can go back and look at the series, he he was not struggling to rebound the ball. He, he was averaging six rebounds, six and a half rebounds a game in this series. He had a bad night rebounding the ball at the worst time possible, and so it's just amplified. Yeah, it, it's it, it's really unfortunate, but I think that it's important. Like like you guys said, it's it's important to keep the, the context in mind. This still this team is still very much so growing. Uh, I think they'll grow together. The future is bright, and I think that's important to keep in mind. Even if you are one of those people that that sort of looks at it from what maybe could have been and what didn't happen, you, you got to admit that this future is bright for this team. And I think that's the most important thing to focus on. Uh, you got Zaire's development to look forward to. I think that'll make them, I think that'll mean a lot to the trajectory of this team. I think uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., we see, we've seen the defensive link, leap that he's made. I think you, he makes a big leap offensively. Um, and so it, and Desmond Bain may continue, continue to grow. He, really, he's, he, he, I think he's got more to his game than he wants to add. And um, he sort of talked about saying healthy. And, and we don't know. We don't know Josh Stealing yet. We, we haven't seen it. Uh, there's still lots of Josh's game that he can he work on and improve with his shooting and everything and that, that could just make him the best player player in the world quite frankly one of them I mean I think he's already playing like one of them right now but he's he's got even more room to grow and so there isn't a ceiling for this team they this front office is built it the right way and so even if you are one of the fans that are that are disappointed in the season I would just encourage you to look look forward look to the future uh, this team has one of the best and brightest futures in the NBA and that's um that's that's not easy to say. It's hard to come by. It's a rare combination of being successful this early. And so um, to spend too much energy on the disappointment, I think, would be um, but, but maybe – I mean, everybody has fandom different ways, but I think it would be a missed opportunity because there's so much to be excited about as a Grizzlies fan right now. I think with, with Ja, uh, I think even more than the three-point shooting, I think developing a mid-range jump shot, I think – He's to watch Chris Paul film. If, if he got confident and in, 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 in was able to knock down a mid-range jump shot consistently, 
I mean, you just couldn't guard him. I mean, yeah. you, and I think defensively, I think we all know that he needs to make strides there. But I think developing that mid-range game would just take his game even to another level. I think with Jared, you just – I think we saw some strides with Jared this year, especially uh, in his Golden State Warriors series, man. He got to the point where he was aggressive taking the balls to the basket. I think I want to see him get to the point, first off, consistency, but I want to see him get to the point to where he's inside out. Like, you don't – I don't mind him taking those three-pointers, but – Take the three pointers when you open, but man, try take it to the basket. I think that's what you want to see more from him. Um, and again, I think Zaire just feeling is off the charts. Again, I think he's gonna take a huge leap. I mean, you just see the size, the length. Man, he already has has some three point shooting ability. I, I just think the sky's the limit for that kid. Man, I think he can. Some people are saying that they think he'll be a really good player, but they don't think he could be borderline all star or anything. I disagree with that, man. I think he. He definitely has a feeling that high. Like, whether he reaches it or not, that's another question. But I see some things that I think he could be elite defensively. I think you can look up – I think you're going to look up two two or three years from now and your two best defenders on the team obviously going to be Jared Jackson Jr. And I think Zaire is going to be that second guy. I really do think he can develop into a lockdown defender on the wing just because of his height, his size, and that jump shot. He, he gets up so high that released with, with how tall he is and linked and kind of been like that. I mean, it's, it's almost unguardable. Uh, I mean, he's going to get better and better at that, man. I just – I think he's going to be a big-time player, man. And, I mean, me and David both can, can attest, man, we weren't on that train, man, when they initially drafted him. I mean, we went through these draft prospects, and he was pretty much on my no-trap list. Like, I didn't want any parts of him, man, and i am never been more happy to be wrong about something. Yeah, I mean, the stuff that we had to watch on him, because – it, it was it was essentially high school stuff. The stuff at Stanford was bad. If you base your evaluation off of what he done at Stanford, it wasn't that great. And and like Isaac said, I'm 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 fine being wrong there. I'm completely okay being wrong there. It wouldn't surprise me in two to three years if Zaire is not the second best player on this team. I, really, I agree. His his ability, you know, you talked about the, the the high release on his jump shot, but he can also adjust the speed, like his release. When we were at the game, uh, my son and I went down to the game. Uh, I don't remember which game it was, man. Maybe it wasn't the blowout game. I can't remember. It was one game in this series, and Zaire, he caught a ball in the corner. The defense was closing out on him pretty quick, and he fired that thing off a lot faster than what he normally does. And his ability to adjust the speed that – like the mechanics were all the same. He just got the shot off faster. And that, that makes a difference when you can, you, you look at these guys that are elite shooters. Kevin Durant is fantastic at getting the ball off. His, his release is not the same speed every time. He can get it off faster when he needs to. Steph Curry does the same thing. Clay Thompson, you can run down a list of great shooters in the league and they're able to adjust the speed of how fast they can get that ball released. And he, he has that already at a young age. And we watched massive growth. We, we saw growth from a lot of players on this team this year. And I, he's going to be number one. He's going to be the top option going into summer league. And I wonder what that's going to do for his confidence. Because with him playing, he played playoff basketball this year. And he's going to be playing against guys that may or may not make an NBA roster. He's going to destroy the summer league. And I can't help but think that that's going to just send this kid's confidence through the roof. And he's going to come in the next season and be a killer out there. 
And when he yeah. jumped that passing lane, he jumped that pass and got the line of, I can't remember, was he laid it up or dunk it? I can't even remember. He jumped that pass. I was like, that's it. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's, mm-hmm. You're going to be seeing a lot of that in the future, man. I mean, you, the tools are just there. I mean, you can, can see it with him. And again, I think he's going to be a big time player. I have full confidence. And again, I think he's going to take a big leap similar to what we saw with Bain um, in summer league. I think they're going to give him the keys and he's going to run that show. And again, man, this guy's started playoff games, playing playoff minutes, man. What do you think he's going to do with those minutes? I think it's going to be super valuable. And I think it's only going to help his confidence. Yeah. But we, we talk about Dylan Brooks and his defensive value. Well, Dylan Brooks, the last time I mean, he only played 30, 32 games this season. So his defensive rating was 111.8. But but last season, his defensive rating was 113.3. And Zaire's was was 113.6. So, I mean, we look at, I mean, he's yeah. right there. He, he's right there. Dylan's, Dylan, Dylan averages 113 in terms of defensive rating. And so Dylan, I mean, so Zaire in his rookie year is already – I mean, I know it looks different. And so, you know, Dylan, obviously, because of his size, has a different level of physicality that comes with it that makes it look a little different. But the, the defensive prowess is, is there, and he's only going to get better from there. That's his rookie year. Yeah, th- there were definitely some things that you saw Zaire miss, and those things were inexperienced. You know, he, yep. he got caught ball watching a couple times. Yep. And his guy snuck to the corner and got a wide open three because he was, you know, too far into the paint. Couldn't close out on him. Saw that happen a number of times throughout the playoffs, and yep. that's that's ju- it's just an experience. There's no right. other, nothing else to that. So you know, I, the Grizzlies played well w- without Dylan Brooks for stretches this season, and so you know, there's a lot of I, I've witnessed a lot of people saying if they want to regress, that's the way to do it, and and by that I mean getting rid of Dylan Brooks, yeah, and. I don't I don't know if that's the case or not. I'm not here to campaign for them to trade Dylan Brooks. But like I said, for me, it's I fully trust the front office. Whatever they do, I'm, I'm going to be happy with it. And I think after you watch what Zaire does in the summer league, you're going to be begging for him to be starting next year. And they're probably going to be making moves to open that up and make that a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the return. Like, I mean, they're not going to just give Dylan away. When Every time I bring this up, people are like, oh, what are, what are you going to get? Tell me what you're going to bring back to Dylan. And I can't – I mean, most of the trades that you that happen are something that you've never thought of. So I'm like, man, I can't tell you what they're going to get. I'm just breaking down the situation long-term and desire Williams thing, and they want to develop him and, and, and want to give him the most minutes and want him to start. And Dylan's going to – Dylan's going to get paid. There, there's no doubt about that. It's just – to me, the writing's on the wall, but I can't tell you what they're going to get back. But I think the leap that, that Zaire Williams is going to take, I think it's going to, going to soften that blow a bit if they do move him this summer. Uh, but again, I think this front office and this coaching staff has shown that they're fully, fully committed to Zaire Williams. Again, playing him early in the season when he wasn't really ready to play and it paid off. And, and they're, they're not going to just cut that off now. I mean, because again, in Dylan – being, being around, I mean, just just stop some of that development. But I think starting the summer league, you're going to see him continue to improve. And again, man, I think he's going to take another big step next year. Defensively, like I said, he's already really, really good. He's only going to get better there, and he's only going to get better with that shot, expanding his game there. So, um, I mean, I just, again, man, just another smart move. I don't think a, a move that a lot of people were surprised, not just Grizzlies fans, but people nationally on the broadcast, they were even like, that's kind of a, a a head scratcher there. We weren't expecting that. I don't think anybody expected Zaire Williams to go that high, but 
I think in hindsight, I don't think I think people uh, it's just another steal uh, by this front office. I mean, you just saw what they got with Brennan Clark getting Desmond Bain at 30. I mean, they've just made great moves when it comes to, to player evaluation. I, I, I don't think there's any any better team in front office in the league. Uh, because, again, I think everybody was against that pick, and I think most people are significantly happy with that pick at this point. I'm going to tell you right now, they got to get some of this garbage out of the way so we can get some salty Obama minutes next season. <laughs> I, I want to see some more 20 and 10 games from Santi Aldama. I think that we will see some of those next year, man. I, I He was killing it, killing it down in South Haven, and, and we're going to have uh, Brandon Abrams from uh, SB Nation Grizzly Bear Blues, he's going to come on and talk to us about uh, about Santi Aldama and some of the guys that were playing down in the G League. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, man, I, I think that I'm pretty well done. Man. I, I don't really have anything else. Do you guys have anything else you want to go over? We, we talked about the game a little bit. We talked a little bit about maybe not every player, but quite a few of them on the roster. You guys got anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? No. Bright future ahead. Look forward to it. Yeah, man, I just – I was going to say, I mean, yeah, man, just a, a, a fantastic season. I mean, I, again, man, I, I just can't look at it as a disappointment just because of, of what we talked about, man. We've seen development. We've seen Zaire develop. I think they've had more valuation time to, to see what these guys can do. It's a bigger stage uh, for them. Are they going to move Dylan Brooks? I think they got a lot of information this year to make – to see if they're, they're going to make that decision, man. It's just uh, – I mean, again, man, exceeded expectations – all around. I mean, we were talking about whether this team was going to be a sixth seed, uh, or could they be a fifth seed, and they end up second, second in the West, second overall record in the league. I mean, it's just going leaps and bounds. I mean, every year they built on what they did the year before, and you, I think that's going to continue. Um, I think that's something we're going to see continue. Uh, and, and again, I think you take away some of the injuries and some of the, the unfortunate things that happened in the series, and I think we're talking about them moving on to the Western Conference Finals. And, again, that's what gives me supreme confidence that this is not the end at all. Because I think this team this year could have easily been a Western Conference Finals team, and I think they're only going to get better. Yep, agreed, man. All right, we will wrap it up. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to do a kind of a season wrap-up probably sometime next week. And then it turns into Isaac and myself's favorite time of the year, draft season breaking down the prospects. I've been excited for that. I was not in a hurry to get to it. I wanted to see the Grizzlies make a deeper run, but look forward to diving into some uh, video on some of these prospects. And we will find out Tuesday, you know, that there is a very, very slim chance. I'm holding out hope that the Grizzlies land that Lakers pick. It's not likely at this point, but uh, you never know. The sun shines on a dog's butt some days, and we will take it if it happens. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. Candace is going to let you know where you can find her. And if you're a Seahawks fan, keep an eye out. Candace will be kind of not splitting ways with us. She's still going to be part of the uh, Ethos Grizzlies team, but she's going to be hosting her own podcast, the Ethos Seahawks podcast. So keep an eye out for that. And Candace, let them know where they can find you and the show. You already got the Twitter up and running, and then Isaac will get us out of here. Yep, yep. You can follow me uh, for your Grizzlies content on at C as in cat, A-N-D-A-C-E, 
H901. That's Candace H901. And for any Seahawks fans out there, give me a follow at Ethos Seahawks. Isaac? Yeah, man. Just thank everybody for, for riding with us, for rocking with us uh, throughout the regular season and the playoffs, man. We appreciate that, man. Continue to trying to trying to grow this thing, man. And like you said, we're going to have a season wrap-up show. You know, you follow us last year. I mean, David, we talked a lot of drafts and have a lot of special guests on. Uh, definitely going to dive into this draft coverage, man. I think I don't. there's probably not anyone anywhere that kind of delved into those prospects the way that we did last year. There's probably not a problem. I don't think that anybody that got drafted definitely didn't leave out. And we worked, talked about a lot of guys that didn't even did, went undrafted. So we, we're going to dive into that, man. So if draft, if draft your thing, man, this is Ethos Grizzlies is definitely your spot. We're going to be getting deep into those those prospects and, and, and break them down, man. So be on the lookout for that. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals at I-S-A-N-C underscore Rivals. And then uh, for David and Candace, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Here we go.